Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. The final four is set in college basketball and the national championship is close to being decided. We're very excited to chat about that. Nobody circles the wagons quite like the national football league, of course. And Tom Brady has a new football coach. Baseball is close to being back college basketball, a sport that you and I both love something that we enjoy talking about, but a sport, as we know, that is pretty much just subjected to March and April to be spoken of. Thankfully, we are right in the heart of that and specifically the best time of the tournament leading into the final four and a day afterward, the national championship. It's a blue blooded special in a year where we weren't sure the chaos that was going to happen because there wasn't really one team that had shown you all season that it could be trustworthy in any of the conferences and any of the leagues flashes high flashes low can't trust them as far as you can throw them. And yet we get to the end of the tournament with the final four teams standing and it's the most familiar names in college basketball, Kansas Villanova and Duke North Carolina part three in coach K's final season and Hubert Davis's first the first time they're ever playing in the NCAA tournament, which I still can't believe after all these years, it hasn't happened. And it's shocking that it's happening under all the storylines surrounding it. What are the odds? The basketball gods sometimes are sleepy, but when they wake up and press their thumb against the sport, they can make some magic happen. And while there hasn't really been these incredible buzzer beating games or incredible one play moments necessarily as much in this tournament. The upsets have been pretty handed. The games in the elite eight were pretty handed. We're hoping that we get close games in the final four, but this storyline alone where North Carolina gets to play Duke, even on its face from the regular season is incredible. But when you put everything around it, You couldn't write a better script for it. Hollywood would laugh at you. And then the other game, which is being deemed the undercard, Kansas Villanova, Bill Self, Jay Wright, not too shabby either. So it's very exciting to have these games happening in the final four. And if you're a fan of either of those teams, like myself, the resident Duke fan of the show, it's going to be a little nerve wracking to say the least. Butterflies are already getting there. But are you excited for this as a Syracuse fan slash college basketball fan slash having some hatred for some of those involved in this tournament still as a basketball fan, this has to be a marquee type of matchup on Saturday. 
Well, Big John, it's always great to be with you and uh, great to be back with our fans again after a week off. So my learned partner could watch his beloved pubes uh, come back from, I thought, the dead against Texas Tech in what was a terrific game. And that's really been the crux of this tournament. As you said, there have not been a lot of wild buzzer beaters, miraculous shots, etc. But there's been the big upsets, obviously St. Peter's over Kentucky, St. Peter's over Purdue, making it to the Elite Eight. But what we have left is stunning. It's as simple as that, because you just rambled off these matchups. Blue bloods all. You want to say Villanova's not a blue blood and we're missing Kentucky? Okay. But could we ask for a better Final Four, and ironically, only with one one seed? Remember, folks, Gonzaga, gone. Baylor, gone. Two teams that many people thought, first of all, last year's finals, all right? Uh, Most people had Gonzaga as as the number one seed overall. Those who didn't had Arizona as the number one seed overall, and Baylor was your defending champ. So three one seeds don't make it to the Final Four, but we have obviously uh, the one one seed in Kansas and powerful two seed in Duke, who most people think has the best personnel, the best starting five in the country, the best coach in the country in Jay Wright, and his number two Villanova Wildcats, already two national titles under their belt. Unfortunately, without one of their best players uh, who tore his Achilles in the prior round and is lost, obviously, for the Final Four. And hopefully we'll be back for a senior season. And the ever-present, the much maligned, the off-criticized, the alleged underachieving, Bill Self, who once again won another Big 12 title and has his team in the Final Four in a season that has been filled with ups and downs for them. They've been on a roller coaster ride. No more evidence than their Elite Eight game against Upstart Miami when they were miserable in the first half, down six, and outscored Miami by 106 points in the second half to blow them out of the building. Uh, facetious, but that has really been that game was the Kansas season in a microcosm. So we have three twos and a one. And keep this in mind in that one side of the bracket where we have Kansas and Bill Self and Villanova and Jay Wright, they have already played each other head to head three times in the Elite Eight, all recently. All these coaches, and in those three matchups, whoever wins that matchup has won the national title. On their way to their two national titles, Villanova beat Kansas, and at Bill Self's way to his one national title, they beat Villanova in the Final Four. So I'm fired up. I think it should be an absolutely tremendous day, and I haven't even gotten to the matchup of all matchups yet. Not because... It is a one against two, not because it is the irresistible force meeting the immovable object, but because it is the best rivalry in the sport. I don't believe it's the best rivalry in college sports. I still reserve that for Ohio State, Michigan, and football. But 
having Duke and North Carolina play in the tournament for the first time, number one, and have it be in the final four, number two, and have it be in certainly Coach K's last season and what could be Coach K's last game after they already played in Coach K's last home game in which it was embarrassing. It was not accept. It was unacceptable, according to Coach K. To have that go round again, and the Duke kids get a chance for revenge, and the North Carolina kids get a chance to end Coach K's season postseason for good, is I, I mean, the folks at CBS are absolutely positively drooling. They have to be pinching themselves. This has been a very highly rated tournament so far. The ratings have been excellent for a lot of games, not just the Duke games, uh, but a lot of these games, the ratings have been off the charts, which is terrific. And now this is going to be an absolute bonanza for CBS uh, on Saturday night. And I'm looking very forward to it. We'll talk about who we think is going to win in a couple minutes, but it, it really is. It's hard to fathom that this has actually transpired when you don't get three of the four one seeds in and you still get these matchups with the three twos and Kansas. I think it's terrific. I love the way it's panned out. It has been an incredibly poorly officiated tournament. And that's been the one black cloud hanging over this entire few weeks. And I'm hoping it does not rear its ugly head on Saturday and on Monday. Because every big game that we've seen, there have been brutal calls, missed calls, huge foul situations, a la Gonzaga, uh, where Chet Holmgren was basically just kept out of the game by the officials and eventually fouled out of the game. In a game that Gonzaga didn't play well. In a game that Gonzaga really didn't deserve to win. But I think Gonzaga would have won had Holmgren been allowed to play the game. And there were other awful calls that went against Gonzaga. And I don't care who wins that game, other than the fact that I did want to see Gonzaga play Duke, because that was a matchup I think we all wanted to see. But that was one of the most poorly officiated games, especially at this level on that stage, that I have seen in recent memory. It was brutal. I wouldn't let those guys back on a court you know, for, for the rest of the – they would have no careers if I had anything to do with what was on the NCAA. That game was so poorly officiated. But these two matchups are – the best we could hope for in terms of competitiveness and in terms absolutely positively of great, great theater with Duke and Carolina playing for the first time in the tournament and having it be in the national semifinals. You mentioned the ups and downs for Duke, the ups and downs for North Carolina to a point where we didn't even know if they were going to make it into the NCAA tournament. I mean, beating Duke was the icing on the cake in Cameron, no question about it, and that meant they were getting in. But one quad win, how should we rate that? Where do they stand in the season? Look at all their awful losses that they've had. They end up making the tournament. They end up making the run that they're on. Pittsburgh. They lost to Pittsburgh. Some blowouts this season. Villanova, always strong in the Big East. Can't fault them there, and it's no shock that they're here. Kansas, the same. Ups and downs. Flashes of, holy cow, this is a great team. Flashes of, I can't believe they lost that game. They're never going to win the national championship. They're not a national championship team. 
I don't think anybody really said among these four teams, that's a national champion, at least not throughout the season. Well, I, I think that most will tell you that the, the best group is, is clearly your team. Duke has the best lineup. Uh, they've certainly got two lottery picks, uh, three first round picks to say the least. Uh, they've got the number one or number two player in the country. They've got the most versatility in terms of their lineup, point guard, uh, the size uh, and versatility of the lineup on offense and defense. And they have Ranchera. They have the guy. They have that guy you can give the ball to when you need a bucket. And he can get it for you really in all ways possible at the college level. He can face up and knock down the three. Nice mid-range. He can post up. He can score from in, in the painted area. Uh, he's an excellent passer. He finds the open man. He's not a selfish player. Excellent rebounder both ends of the floor. He's an average defender. I'm not he's a great defender. I'm not he's an awful defender. He's a decent defender. Uh, but he is the type of player that in this tournament, uh, I'll give you an example. Carmelo Anthony was the same type of player. I know I'd go to the Syracuse Roots, but Carmelo Anthony was the same type of player when Syracuse won it. Dependable. And he was there for whatever you needed. Granted, the three was not nearly as big an aspect of the game for Carmelo Anthony as he's become for Bonchero, but he could knock it down, obviously, as a pro. He's become a proficient three-point shooter It's because it's become a such more dominant part of both the college and pro game. But Bonchero plays the same kind of style as Carmelo Anthony did. Excellent hands on both ends of the glass. Excellent hands catching the basketball, playing under control when you're facing the basket, when you're back to the basket. The ability to score from various areas on the floor and a player who doesn't panic a player who looks like he is in control of the game. And when you get to this aspect of the tournament, control is vital. You don't want to be in a panic situation when you need a big bucket. You don't want to rush, okay? But it, what did Coach Al say? Be quick, but don't hurry. Banchero never looks like he's hurrying. And he's gotten better. He's gotten better as the season has gone on, and he's gotten better as the tournament is going on. Now, the question is, will the Duke kids feel the same kind of pressure playing Carolina with the notion that it could be Coach K's last game as they felt in their last home game? I don't know. I would think that game and these games that they have played since where they have been up against it, in trouble against Michigan State, down five late, and then took over the game, with a big run to take Michigan State apart, down two against Tech late, but here it's the big three, and then they take Tech apart. I think those games will help them immensely. Now, what, did they face a firing squad, you know, down two, eight seconds to go in any of these? No. But they were challenged, and they rose to the occasion. So I think they will be ready, and I think they will play very well. Carolina, remember? Knocked off the defending champs. Carolina, folks, was up 25 against Baylor with 10 minutes to go. And then the big kid, 
got tossed. He was dominating the game. He threw an elbow and inadvertently hit a guy behind him in the face. He went out of the game and Carolina just crumbled. Baylor put on full court pressure. Carolina continually turned the ball over, couldn't make a free throw. Next thing you know, it goes into overtime, but the kid from White Plains, Davis, hits a phenomenal and one to get them right out of the gate with a three, and they win the game in overtime. And then the rest of the way, uh, they've pretty much been in control. Obviously, they've mauled St. Peter's, uh, which we knew was going to happen to St. Peter's eventually, uh, and happened obviously this past weekend. And Carolina is playing very well. And they have all the pieces with the exception, unlike Duke, they are not deep at all. So we can all see the possibility. Lined up, Coach K, big game, Carolina, no depth, couple bad whistles, go against Carolina. One of the big kids has to take a seat, one of their big guys or Love, or Davis, three fouls, first half, Duke goes on their run, game, set, match. Duke is the better team here. Duke is the better team. I'm just hoping it's a fairly officiated game and they don't get any help because we know they usually do. Duke should win this game. I will be surprised if Duke does not win this game. To me, it would be a major upset for Carolina to win this game again. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. I think what Duke has going in its favor regarding what North Carolina has done in this tournament where they've really been the strongest all season this is a roster that, I mean, people that watch the ACC, Duke fans obviously watching their rival, I mean, I thought they were going to be a pretty good team. And we talked about all the losses that they had. It just didn't happen. There were blowout losses earlier in the season and head-scratching losses and Huber Davis isn't the right guy losses. You're losing to Kentucky 98-69. to You're losing to Notre Dame. You're losing to Wake Forest. You're getting blown off the floor to Pittsburgh and people are wondering whether or not this new coach is the right guy, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, but it's funny to interject. Everybody whined about the weakness of the ACC. Well, maybe the ACC wasn't that weak. Maybe it's because those teams that they lost to were a hell of a lot better than people thought they were. Even maybe Pittsburgh who mauled Syracuse once with the exception of blowing a 25-point lead with 10 minutes to go. And I know that's a big exception. But for three quarters of the game, they were dominant against the defending champs. And quite frankly, in their four games, they had been dominant in this tournament. You're getting a team in the national championship no matter what happens. And you had Miami, a team playing to get into the final four. What benefits Duke, or I guess I should say what Duke fans are hoping for is that the magic runs out. And what I mean by that is the performances that specific players have had in each of these games in the NCAA tournament, you're just hoping that that doesn't happen again. Like, let's not have Brady Manick, who is going to drop 40 against Baylor, 
before they threw him out of the game because North Carolina was up by so much. They didn't think it would matter. Like, yeah, we'll make an example of this, get him out of the game here. And then before you know it, Baylor's mounting a comeback and they go into overtime. You have Caleb Love going for 30. You got RJ Davis going off. You've had an Armando Baycock game against St. Peter's, which of course you're supposed to do that against St. Peter's, but still, you still have to make it happen. Each one of them has had that woe game in each one of these games. It hasn't happened collectively and you hope it doesn't against Duke and you hope that they don't have those career high moments from the main four guys. You just hope they play their normal basketball, if you will. That's so neutral observer. We simply hope they both team, both teams get a chance to play. I don't want to see manic with three fouls. With eight minutes to go in the first half. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. Baycott too. Get him out of there. Because then and we're the same thing. And the same thing with the big boy. Who yeah. is a big boy? Because you know, Carolina can clearly match Duke's size. Now, and to me, that's really the curious aspect of this game. Is you know, Carolina has the two big guys. Duke has Williams. So to me, Carolina has more size actually in the starting lineup than Duke does. But Williams is such a good defensive player and an excellent rebounder uh, on both sides. He's an excellent offensive rebounder. He's a wonderful defensive player. He's great on the glass. Uh, He's a hardworking player. I love watching him play. I think he's the most underrated player on their team. And I'm not going to say he's the most important player on their team, but he makes incredibly important plays in big spots. Uh, so I love him, despite the fact that I despise Duke. I think he's an incredibly efficient and effective college player. I have a hard time thinking Duke would win this game and not win the national title. I could certainly see Carolina winning this game and not winning the national title. Let me pose you this, this quick Duke esque question. And I agree with everything you said about what North Carolina needs to do. And I told you on this show a couple weeks ago, the formula that I think would be the downfall of Duke, which would be Mark Williams gets into foul trouble, which could happen with Baycott and even Manic down low, AJ Griffin shots, not falling from three and Paulo Bancaro kind of turns into a ghost which we've seen a couple times throughout this season in big games. Where do the baskets come in the game? For example, you can't go 15 minutes in a second half without taking a shot, which we have seen this season. As you mentioned, though, he's grown leaps and bounds in this tournament. So many of them have. Jeremy Roach at point guard playing like he's 25 years old. He's can't, he can't get in foul trouble because he's now running the offense. It's crazy. And I think the X factor is going to be Brady Manick. Is his shot going to fall? And who's he going to guard on defense? Now, the question I had for you, if you were a Duke fan, you could either be guaranteed to beat North Carolina, but lose in the national championship. Or you test your luck in both games. No guarantees. You test your luck. You have confidence in your team. Look at I'm not a Duke fan. I'm a Duke despiser. But they have the best team. They have the best talent. They have the most depth. 
So with that, they have, I'm not going to say the most experience because Villanova's got plenty of experience, but they also don't have one of their best players. The point is, if I've got the best team and I've got arguably the best player, not just in the tournament, but in the country, I, no way am I taking one and one. Uh-uh. You know, because beating Carolina and losing means I still lost. This tournament is not about beating Carolina now. This tournament is about winning it. As the show's resident Duke fan, I'd take beating North Carolina. You can't lose this game, Al. You just can't. This can't be the way it all ends because you'll never hear the end of it. And you, you, it would be like last year. I mean, we talked about, is this the greatest Final Four of all time, et cetera? Like last year's Final Four game between Gonzaga and UCLA. Was the, the best Final Four game, the best tournament game in NCAA tournament history, people no. deemed him. And then Gonzaga no. went out and got their asses kicked right. in the national championship right. two days and, later. And, and it wasn't the best game. And it can't it be because it's not it the end. But, it, was, but so, it wasn't the best game anyway, but it was a great game. But in this case, 20 years down the line, if North Carolina beats Duke and knocks off Coach K and, like, say North Carolina doesn't win the championship, nobody's going to remember if Kansas or Villanova were the national champion, what they're going to remember is remember in coach K's last season, North Carolina beat them and ended their season. That's going to be the storyline forever. You can't let that happen. Like before the tournament, if you told Duke fans, you're going to get to the final four, that would have been a godsend. You'd cut your arm off to get that based on how the season's gone. And then they get there and you're realizing this is happening. They're going to have to play North Carolina. And now you can't lose that game. You simply just can't. But it is great for college basketball. And Hubert Davis is playing with the famed house money. He is. And what a great start to what's going to be the next chapter of the rivalry. Can you you imagine if in your first year as the North Carolina coach at your alma mater in a much maligned season, you beat Duke in Cameron Indoor, in Coach K's last home game, and then you beat them in the Final Four. I might retire. <laughs> right, right <laughs> after the game. Because then you don't have to risk losing in the national championship and people, for reti- some reason, I'm, ripping you I'm, I'm, st- I'm stepping down. Get me out of here. I'm stepping down for health reasons. I want to be closer the, to my I, family. I, I can't take the ecstasy. Okay. I can't take the excitement. On Sunday, held a press conference and get out. Now, Kansas Villanova, quickly. Kansas, I think, is peaking at the exact right time. That's no surprise. The coming out party of Remy Martin, finally, which started in the Big 12 tournament and has only continued to grow after he battled knee injuries in the season. Bill Self thrown him under the bus. He laid of Bobby Hurley yes, in Arizona State. The presumed preseason player of the year. All the awards he won over in the Pac-12. Everybody thought he would continue that. And injuries. At Bill Self getting asked about it. Throwing him under the bus in the games he did play. Things were getting ugly with Robbie Martin. It was like, what's the, what's the story with this guy? And now all of a sudden, he's the guy. It's not Oche Abaji. It's not David McCormick. It's we need Remy Martin 
to help us out. Now that could flip in an instant and he could disappear in a game. No question. So it's still important. I think your best players also need to step up in these games. So Baji has to do his thing. Christian Brown has to do his thing spelled like Brown, but it's Brown and Braun David McCormick has Braun, to be the guy because they don't Braun, have any size Braun down is, low. Braun is the glue guy. Braun seems to be every in, in the big games. Braun seems to be in the middle of everything. Get the big rebound, get the big loose ball, make the big assist, knock down a three, have a tip in. Abaji is the guy who plays eight feet above the rim. Folks, if you want to see an athlete, if you want to see excitement, you watch the Abaji kid from Kansas. Uh, you know, he had the remarkable receiving end of a great pass from Braun where his head was at the rim. Uh, where he came in from the baseline and caught the lob and put it down, which was one of the most resounding, electrifying plays of this tournament. He is a fabulous athlete. Uh, another one of these Kansas kids who's, you know, might be a little raw, great athleticism, wonderful player. He'll be a lottery pick. He's a four-year guy, too. Like has, he, has slowly built himself up to the program. It's it's rare that you see that nowadays, but he kind of knew his role. The, and look at look at how much it's benefited him. Will, will he be a guy who explodes in the semifinal? Will he be a guy who goes for thirty four, or will he disappear and go three for twelve from the field right. and have eleven points? Because he's done and that. And the other thing to keep in mind with this game: remember, this is. As much as over the years I have not liked Jay Wright because I just thought he was a suit and being a Syracuse alum, the rivalry with Villanova, remembering the Big East together, Jay Wright is probably the best coach in America right now. He's won two national titles. And the best compliment I could give Villanova and him as a coach is when you watch Villanova in this tournament, even during the regular season, the Big East tournament, when do you come away from a game saying they sucked maybe they didn't shoot well maybe they didn't play their best maybe they simply got outplayed or played a better team but when do you watch a villanova game and not see them play with effort play team basketball make the other team work their fanny off on defense and give you quality basketball on both ends of the floor the way the game is supposed to be played all guys contributing effort on both sides of the ball passing cutting moving rebounding using the shot clock defending the shot clock knocking down the three defending the three at the end of a game you never say about a jay wright team man that they that i didn't see an effort they stunk you always get the supreme effort every time you see them play you always see the work athlete the ethic it's it's almost like they come to work they almost conduct themselves like a professional team yeah they play the game the way you would like it to be played they're not spectacular you don't see a bunch of jay wright guys as lottery picks yeah they got the phoenix kid Okay, who went you know middle of the with your twelfth, thirteenth, whatever. Okay, but 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 there's no first and second picks walking out of Villanova into the pros. You know, Archie Diacono, 
right? I, I mean, the, you know, the, the, the kid now, Gillespie, these aren't top five picks, but yet they wind up being Big East Player of the Year. It's a work ethic. It's film study. It's defensive side of the ball. It's intricate offense, not turning the ball over, rebounding at both ends. And here's the biggie. Kansas, notoriously a terrible free throw shooting team. Yeah. Villanova on the verge of setting the all-time season record for best free throw shooting by any college team in NCAA Division I history. Yeah. That could play a huge part in this game It's if it's, if it's a relatively close game. I like Kansas. Because of uh, the size, the athleticism, and as Clark Kellogg used to say, but not recently, the spurtability, Kansas can run off 20 on you in a heartbeat and do it from different spots on the floor. Uh, but that free throw, and, and the fact that the Villanova kid is out is huge. So I'm going to go with Kansas. It's not a, it's not for any lack of respect for Villanova. If their other kid was healthy, I would pick Villanova. But I do think that's a big loss. I'm going to take Kansas in this game. Uh, and I'm going to think they're going to wind up winning. I say going away, but I'm going to say Kansas wins this game by five to seven points. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. If there was a team that could survive, I guess, a Justin Moore injury of how important he was to their team, somehow figure out how to make it work without him, Jay Wright's at the top of that list because they as you mentioned, play that workman style basketball where they're like conditioned robots that are going to work and it's ugly to watch. They're going to run the shot clock down. They're going to pass it around 50 times before they finally settle in on a shot. Same thing on defense right up in your grill. It's ugly. It's not fun, but that's what you want. And that's what works. It doesn't have to look good. I'm a firm believer that you must prevent Gillespie from beating you. He's the guy. Anybody, any, anybody but Gillespie. It has to be. I, I, have to, I have to make him beat me going to the basket and scoring in traffic. No threes. No step backs. All his shots must be with pressure on them, hand in his face. You know, let somebody else knock down a three. Let the ball rotate to somebody else. No extra pass to him for the wide open three. I'm not letting him beat me. You know, somebody else is going to have to step up and have a big game. And if they do it, so be it. But my goal is to keep Gillespie in double in single digits. I agree. Now, they did that last game, but Houston simply couldn't score. Houston shut him down. Their quickness and their athleticism was a huge problem for him. But the bigger problem is Houston couldn't put the ball in the basket. I believe there were one for 20. Couldn't score is even being three kind. three-point range. There's not words to describe is, it. Is, is, is almost unfathomable 
at any level that a team could go one for 20 from three. Uh, but that's what I would do if I was Bill Self. All efforts would be to take Gillespie, not out of the game, because he's going to be hammering the ball, but uh, to keep Gillespie away from ever getting warmed up from three-point range and make him work his fanny off in traffic for buckets. You'll be able to tell who's going to win this game just based on what team is able to play their style of basketball. If Villanova's running the shot clock out, but getting the shots they want and making them while also getting Kansas in foul trouble, it's curtains, especially turnovers. If they win the turnover battle, Kansas is cooked. Now, if Kansas is playing their fast-paced style, because they could fly, if they're playing past Villanova, getting whatever they want, David McCormick down low is dominating the guards. He doesn't get in foul trouble. He's able to play defense somehow around the perimeter, and that's able to work. They're able to kind of keep him closer to the basket, or if Mitch Lightfoot comes in for him, he doesn't get in foul trouble. If Kansas is playing its fast style, that's over with. But if Villanova's getting to the foul line, like you mentioned, if they're keeping the pace slow, and if Kansas is turning the ball over, in the first half, if you see that happening as the theme, that's it. The odds of Kansas making the adjustments that they made against Miami and then having it completely 100% work as perfect as they could dream of on both ends of the floor against a Jay Wright team, not as easy. I will also take Kansas in a semi-close game. As you said, it'll probably come down to they're going to end up fouling late and it might look a little uglier maybe down five or so they got to foul, And then before you know it, it's and they will be playing and they will be playing boom on Monday night. Young man. I have to go Duke and Kansas. I don't know how good I feel about it. It's going to be quite a nerve wracking affair. I think if you're Kansas Villanova, you absolutely love what's happened. You don't love the matchup because it's going to be tough, but you love when the game is and you love that the storylines haven't been anywhere close to yours because you could go out and play basketball, your game's over, and now these two teams go out and kill themselves for 40-plus minutes, and then we get to play what's ever left on Monday? That sounds great to me. This beaten and battered team now has to try and play us for a national championship? Take that and run with it. The question is, will either one of them be beaten and battered or will it just be the loser because Carolina wound up winning comfortably last time. This could be a rule reversal. I could see Duke running away here. Uh, Carolina putting up a stinker, but that's not the way I'm going to go. Carolina is playing well. They're confident. As I said before, they have been dominant in this tournament. I'm going to say it continues. I like Carolina over Duke again, and I like it by 10 because that's the way it has to be. It can't be close late because if it's close late, the officials will find a way to get Duke the W. 85-75 Carolina, and then it's North Carolina and Kansas. Wow. On Monday night, two of the bluest bloods of all time for the national title. It wouldn't be a bad storyline at all for college basketball, for both those teams. 
there is no bad storyline here. Yeah, what would be the worst case scenario? Villanova, North Carolina, I guess, right? I suppose. It's still not bad, but it's still, eh, people will, will be know, wanting I, I, more. I guess, that's, I guess that's not as good as Kansas, North Carolina, but no. yeah, it, not, that, not that much worse. It'd be a good game, don't get me wrong, but people would be like, well, what if? It's too bad. That's unfortunate. I'm telling the you. Flip side, the flip side is, all right, will you take a guaranteed Duke loss in the title game if you are an anti-Duke guy or just take your chances? All right, will you let Luke Duke win, all right, against Carolina, if you're guaranteed they're going to lose in the title game. I would take that as an anti-Duke. Yeah, I would think so, right? You have to. I These these people that are kind of rooting now for Coach K as just either fans of other college teams or just How dare fair weather. I, I can't believe it, Al. As you for, a hater and me a lover, I can't believe There's no middle ground. He got to pick correct. one. There's no That's middle correct. ground. That is correct. You know, if, if they had stunk all year, it was a Cinderella story. But no, 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 that's not the case. They've got the best team. They've got the best players. They've got the best lineup. They've got the best player in the country. All right. They're loaded. Uh-uh. Time is up. Stops here. Train ride's over. This is your last stop, coach. Semifinals. Sayonara. That's it. Thirteenth trip will not be a lucky trip. Will not be a lucky trip. Also, to the folks that think that the winner of the championship automatically is coming out of the Duke North Carolina game, hold on now. <laughs> Let's pump the brakes. There's two pretty good teams over there playing in the quote-unquote undercard game. Don't think whoever beats Duke slash North Carolina, whoever wins that game in Duke North Carolina. And, and remember, one of them is the only one seed left. Right. How about that? Duke, Kansas, I think, is is the storybook for college basketball. Duke, Villanova wouldn't be far behind it. Worst case scenario is North Carolina, Villanova, unfortunately for them. And worst case scenario to, for Duke is to lose on Saturday. There's no other way to put it. They got to win that game. Quickly, other than obviously Kentucky, your most disappointing performance in the tournament was by whom? I'm trying to think of the ones that I had going far that that completely shat themselves. I think Auburn was a disappointment. I think Tennessee was a disappointment. Gonzaga has to be the biggest one just because this was it. Not even, not only last year, this year, this is it. Timmy's back. Chad Holmgren. Oh, baby. You thought as last said, year was bad. This one's it. As, which, As I said before, though, because you're the anti-Gonzaga, last year's team was much better. I agree with you, too. They were but much better. I thought better. this year's team may have had a better chance to win. But they simply did not get the good enough guard play against Arkansas. And as I said, I thought they got screwed. But to me, the most disappointing performance of the tournament for a single game, probably think I'm going to say Kentucky. I'm not going to say Kentucky. Because they had been playing so incredibly well. Everybody loved them, including me. 
and they survived their tournament scare against TCU. The Arizona performance against Houston was stunningly bad, shockingly bad. Houston literally never let them in the game. They never made a run. They never seemed to have any answer for the Houston defense. And their coach, the former number one guy, Tamar Few, got the pants coached off of him by the legendary war criminal himself. Say whatever I will about Kelvin Sampson. He may be on the Mount Rushmore of war criminals as college basketball coaches, but he can coach. And no, they couldn't shoot a lick. Uh, They went one for 20 in the regional finals, but they completely demoralized mentally Arizona. They took them totally out of their game. The big guys were completely frustrated. Their lottery pick guard was nowhere to be found, turning the ball over, taking bad shots. And they were, I thought, embarrassingly bad against Houston. I mean, they literally curled up in a ball and went to sleep. They never challenged in that game with all that talent and all that athleticism and all that size. They played small and they played weak. I was shocked. Shocked. And I was disappointed TCU didn't beat them before that because it would have been good for the Big 12. If they're going to play that shitty the next game, you might as well have lost the one before that. They should have. I mean, they practically tackled the kid to to knock him into the backcourt and steal the ball. Unfortunately, that didn't decide the game because the dunk came too late. But that's one of the most abysmal calls or non-calls of the tournament. I'm with you completely for this Saturday and for the national championship game. I hope the officiating stays out of the way. I hope it's consistent in doing so. If you're going to call certain things here and there, at least be consistent with it. Keep the star players in the games. Don't necessarily have that change the outcomes. Now, if you're doing egregious things, obviously, we're talking the ticky-tack stuff, the slow-mo replay where you maybe can catch what they were looking at. If you're going to follow somebody and knock them to the ground, of course, it's the small stuff that's going to make the game frustrating. I don't want to see anybody in this final four have three fouls in the first half. Yeah. That's the best way I can put it. Or two quick fouls five minutes into the game. You know, on nickel and dime calls, plain and simple. So you've got Duke and Kansas. I've got Carolina and Kansas. I presume you have Duke cutting down the nets for his sixth national title, going out in style, the king and his court one last time. Am I correct? Well, I mean, heart picks, yes. That's what I'm kind of doing here, heart picks. I had told you on this show, I didn't think Duke was getting out of the first weekend, that they had a chance to lose to Davidson, who obviously lost to Michigan State, so that was for not. But I didn't think they'd get past Texas Tech. Then I didn't think they'd get past Gonzaga. I can't believe they're in the final four. And now they got to go through this. Of course, of all the years, you couldn't get anyone else to be playing in this final four game. It has to be North Carolina with all the baggage going off of it. 
if I'm just looking at it as a neutral observer, so many people are on Duke now. So many people are on Duke to win the national championship. Where was this even last week? Now all of a sudden Duke is a national championship team? Since when? Are they capable? Absolutely. But this hasn't been the narrative all season. People are making it seem like they knew this from day one. And they played well on day one for those first month or so. COVID hit the program, and then that was it. They couldn't win close games against really good teams. So, sure, they can win a national championship, but would it shock me in the least if North Carolina plays hot, as you've been mentioning, and another player goes off for 20 or 30? Because sometimes that happens against Duke. Those randoms end up having great games. It wouldn't shock me in the least. And then it wouldn't shock me in the least if Kansas or Villanova beat their ass on Monday. This isn't a sure thing, folks. I don't know how all of a sudden it just became, well, it's Coach K's final year. They have talent. They're going to win the title. Hold on a second. Let's think back to some of the games where they looked like trash in the regular season. I'm obviously hoping that they get to the national championship and win it, but it wouldn't shock me if they don't. The AWP head says Duke because they've got the best team. The AWP heart is going to go with the magic carpet ride of North Carolina. And that ends against Bill Self and company. And as it has done in the three previous meetings, the winner of the Kansas Villanova game wins the national title Monday night, Kansas over Carolina in a thriller, Kansas, 87, Carolina, 84. Wow. Take the over. That's my head on top of head feeling for how it'll happen. Not my heart, not my head, the head on top of it. Wouldn't surprise me in the least, but folks just enjoy what you're watching on Saturday, whether you're hating Kansas, you're hating Jay Wright, you're hating North Carolina, or you're absolutely hating coach K win or lose for either of those programs. Just tip your cap for what we're going to watch. Cause it's incredible. They got to this point this season in in particular, it's great. They get to play one another and either coach K is going to the national championship in his last season or his last season's getting ended by the best rival in the sport. You can't draw it up any better. Just enjoy the games. Remember TBS. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, for my partner, it's a great John Tiny Lund. I am El Renato, AKL from White Plains. This has been the new report, the old report, the Bet Stand Sports Podcast, period. Enjoy the Final Four and have a great sports weekend, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well, or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.